Welcome to Thinky Comet, a collection of nuanced conversations about the Black experience. I'm your host, Nia Marie. On this podcast, we explore topics that empower, educate, and illustrate the necessity for honest conversations about being Black, all with the aim of reaching personal liberation and challenging systems of oppression. In relationships, we agree to a social contract that establishes how each party treats each other. I think there is an opportunity for us to create a similar contract with other Black folks to achieve collective goals. In this episode, Michelle and I discuss how holding folks in our lives accountable for their attitudes and behaviors towards Black people contributes to our collective liberation. Please enjoy. Do Black people need a social contract? Excited for our conversation today about how our relationships are a reflection of our politics and values and ultimately can be a tool for creating a better tomorrow. And when I was thinking of this episode, I was thinking, what better person to chat about this with than my dear friend, Michelle, whom we engage and have so many social media conversations about the world. So hello, Michelle. Do you want to say hi to the people? Hi, folks. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Michelle. I am Chicago-born, Ghanaian, American-raised. Okay, I'm talking about jollof, plantain, egushi. <laughs> but as far as what I do professionally, I am a social scientist that takes a look at both the institutional and the interpersonal on both the social psychology front and now, more recently, the clinical community as in clinical community psychology at the fall. I've just been chilling in Chicago ever since. That is where I met Mia, and I thank her gracious self for having me and tuning me in today. Of course. We always, it is always a pleasure. We have such good conversation, so I'm here for it. So it's always been important to me that there is at least some type of baseline of shared values and understanding of the world from like a racial and gender perspective with those that I have a personal relationship with. I'm not the person that has friends that have like the undertones of racist ideas or sexist ideas or things like crazy, say crazy things about black people or are super colorist or super homophobic. Or share. Or, yeah. or share crazy things. Exactly. Right. Or share crazy things. Mm, no, no, I'm, I not, I'm not mean. that person. Exactly. I'm not that person that's like, you know, but I've never been that person that's like, here, let me educate you. Right? Because I'm always just like, we all have no. a finite amount of energy and our relationships are mm. supposed to be... Enough. Exactly. To do all of this. Exactly. And our relationships are supposed to be fulfilling. And also, I want to be in relationship with people who are, by virtue of them just living in the world, they are helping me to achieve my collective liberation, right? So, like, I can't be cool with somebody that has, like, low-key crazy thoughts about black women. (laughs) It's always blown me. Thank you. And it's always blown me. in college or like social settings when I saw people or college and education, even maybe sometimes in the workplace, but more in like academic settings. And now I guess in terms of like romantic, when people are in relationship with folks who have such glaring red flags, in my opinion, in terms of their politics, their values about most often black people collectively. And I'm like, how are you in relationship right. the with anti- this person? It's the anti-blackness for me. Yes. No, it's, it's the, the anti-blackness <laughs> for me. Right? No, ma'am. 
right? no, Mia, you're saying the truth because we went to a PWI. Yes, so as did. far as wanting to be in community, right, with folks who will with their whole chest say, I want to aid in the collective liberation. And I wouldn't I, I don't even want to say your collective liberation because I don't want any saviors yeah. to things. Yeah. But as far as someone whose values are in alignment with liberation, that is a person who I consider a friend, not a foe. No. Yes. Go go on. Go on. Right? You say it. No, like say exactly. It. And I just even even the like you know, I used to, this was acceptable in college. I don't know why it was ever acceptable, but it's not now. But even the like, you know, I'm fiscally Republican and what is it? Something liberal? Liberally, or like socially liberal. Socially liberal. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, how does that make yeah. sense when we need money to fund all Not social projects? What? What you talking about? <laughs> all social systems. It just irks me. And so it bothers me when I, this is like I a agree. very low-hanging fruit. I don't know these people's names, but it bothered me then on The Bachelor when you have this biracial black man who he chooses the person that then later has the the checkered past about, you know, dressing up in some type of antebellum stuff. You know, she just she was doing something reckless. And oh, it, like, it was like essentially the plot of Dear White People where they had the ghetto party or like the hip hop party or something and then she is? dressed up as oh goodness. Yeah, so but that was Stop that was my issue. In a screenplay. <laughs> right. So there's that. There's that for her. But it was also it was person, man, I don't know your name. Why did you there were did you not vet out this person Matthew. in terms of Matthew? You didn't vet out this person in terms of like their attitudes towards black people because for me I mm-hmm. always can to get a sense of how people feel about blackness and black people as someone who has grown up in white spaces I have a really good <laughs> spidey yeah. sense for it and it's very important radar. <laughs> and it's really important for me there are white folks in my life there are white people I have personal relationships with and I'm very clear on yeah. what they value and how they are helping to they support collective liberation as an individual and the liberation mm-hmm. of my people. So it really bothered me then as like the first black bachelor or whatever, that this person wasn't really vetting somebody and you literally chose the person that had the racist past, was doing racist shit in her past right. unapologetically. And so for me, these are the ways that it shows up and it's frustrating because I feel black people, again, this goes into the whole mammy narrative and us being the martyr and the savior why do we use our energy and invest our energy in folks who we have to educate and convince of our humanity? We marry into these families. Every we become day. best friends with these people. Right. Like, what could we do if, again, we were intentional with our energy and about who we built relationships with? And it's not to say that we don't interact with people who think differently. That's not what I'm saying. It's not. That's not. Like, you think you can be open to new ideas, open to different perspectives, and also be intentional about who you build relationships with when you hold people to a certain standard. And I think that this is particularly important because this idea of a social contract and setting standards for people really does teach the larger society, teach people individually and collectively how to treat black people, right? Yeah. I see the connection. I don't know if you do. Yeah. I'll let you jump in. I've been chatting. I've been, I've been going off, girl. I have feelings no, about it. No, it's okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Mia. And I'm co-signing the co the, the social contract, girl, by the social contract, right? And a lot of people, right, because we live in the social media world, um, a lot of people would just define that as setting boundaries, 
with a capital B. You know how black with capital B? Boundaries with a capital B, okay? That's what's happening in this black state. Black capital B, it's and awesome. so are boundaries, y'all. You and heard it here boundaries first. With a capital B. <laughs> no, it is so true because what we do and what we choose and what we think are ultimately boiling down to power-wielding ABCs, right? Action, behavior, cognition. These are incredibly, if people don't think that it is, I don't know, harmful to share or endorse or co-sign or, you know, maybe even silence or not co-sign, you know, and be passive about anti-Blackness, right? But I think, you know, it's, it's the boundary setting. Like, I will not be treated this way. And in fact, it doesn't even have to be a negation of something happening. It could be even an endorsement of a progression of something happening. So I was going to say, instead of removing the negative, right, like, I will not be treated this way. You can add the positive. I will see Black joy and resist that way. I do not engage with anti-Black racist means that, you know, little friends are sharing up and down the timeline, left and right, asking me to engage in when it's at the misogynoir expense of Black women, you right. know, and not giggle at it in jest alongside with you and pull the chair but I would rather invest my time in black joy, black luxury black, you know, own candles if you want, on the timeline, you know, and just do things like that. And I think that having that social contract of what I will engage with, what I will like, what I will bring my platform to be about, what I will co-sign, what I will hold space for, is ultimately a reflection of that power dynamic. It's a reflection of who you see as someone who has access to you, has privilege over you, who sees you, or it could be vice versa, who doesn't see you, who doesn't have access to you, who has no power over you. But nonetheless, Neil, you bring up a really good point about the social contract and how it's essentially as an institutional kind of concept, right? The social contract is interpersonal relationships, this kind of boundary setting. So I like how you... So you kind of characterize that. Absolutely. And sometimes the boundary is not just in how someone is treating you. And that's probably not how often this shows up, right? Because I'm sure that people are in relationship with people because they are getting something from it, getting something from them because that person individually respects them, quote, like whatever the case may be. But if you, if you think about the message that it sends, and it's not to ostracize people that engage in behavior that we don't like, but what does it look like to say, you know, you've made some really harmful comments about darker skinned black people in the past. We can't continue our relationship despite me not being, I'm not, I'm a brown skinned woman, right? But it's, if Neil, I were to do this, I can't believe, but you know, like what, just, what would that look like? May I share a personal example yeah. about this? Yes, instance? perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm screaming. Because this is something that I have recently had a conversation with a good friend of mine about. And I'm, I'm only bringing up these points because you said three major themes. Brown skin, black woman, right? <laughs> yeah. On the internet, constantly facing anti-blackness and massaging noir and having to set the boundary about communication and how wildly uncomfortable and alienating it is to have to be navigating about this world and then be met with a certain instance or a certain occurrence of someone disrespecting that boundary, disrespecting that 
social contract. So I'm going to dive in. So my good friend, Derek, we'll call him Derek. My good friend, Derek, we went to Loyola together. It, it was a good time. But, you know, now we are working professionals about to go and we occasionally catch up with each other, not only on IG, um, but also on, you know, the occasional Facebook Messenger. But the other day, right, basically he sent me, he sent me a meme, right? So we shared this meme from this brazen meme account, as they all are during the pandemic, have been popping up. But it was of this dark-skinned black woman with a bonnet on and a mask on sitting in a grocery store. I think she was lightly resting and checking her phone on what it appears to be the steak section of the meat and deli aisle of the grocery store. So she's visibly fat, visibly black, you know, minding her business, the towel over her shoulder. And then the caption reads, would you say something to her or would you mind your own business if you've seen this? And it's a like crooked face emoji. And Jared sends me just me and says, for some reason, the booty meat comment got me in the comments. And I felt my ancestors tapping on my shoulder saying, excuse me. <laughs> Hold up now, sis. What's going on? Is you going to let this happen? The answer was not today. I rested for truly one night and woke up in the morning. And the fact that my spirit still felt disturbed had me needing to communicate or if not communicate, but reestablish the social contract as a man, you know, who is wielding privilege, you know, like, listen, you black gay man, we love me some Derek, you know, type of situation, but to engage in the misogyny, to yeah. engage in the misogynoir, to engage in the fat phobia, I would, you know, everybody gets scared whenever they see a big gray message in their inbox. <laughs> because they know that the other person has gone off, but I just that person. You're like, you know, I have time. Oh, yes, I did. And I said, I'm not trying to start some shit. I was, but I need to make myself clear with some communication. That meme nor the comments underneath weren't funny to me. And I was wildly uncomfortable with you sharing it with me and Jess. Black women and any or all, you know, aspects about our facial or our bodily features doesn't deserve to be a punchline. And I know you were trying to cheeky and like get in some harmless laughs, but I think the memification of black women is so hard to ignore yeah. on the internet because it's at our expense. And I feel like it ultimately contributes to our contribute targeting and oppression you know yes. so you need to be more mindful of that i completely agree and i think there's definitely a difference in terms of when we are sharing jokes that we get internally as a community and then to your point when people are making us the butt of a joke why is a black a bigger black woman a fat black woman anywhere funny you know what i mean and why are so many memes featuring fat mm -hmm. you know like that, that and i think that is to your point the question it's like it's so real and i, I feel like this shows up even beyond social media but I mean, I'm, I'm saying men, I'm calling you out, men. Domestic violence is a real issue. This is not just something that women make up. This isn't, rape isn't something, sexual assault isn't something that people just make up. And what Fine. does it mean for you as a man or even as a woman, because anybody could, can do it, 
What does it mean for us to engage in domestic violence and sexual assault, to hold a standard for people that these aren't acceptable behaviors, especially towards black women when there has been a legacy of us being sexually assaulted and violence. And so it's not even just means, but it shows up in so many different ways. Or even just thinking about how you talk about people in your neighborhood, how you talk about other black folks that don't visibly have as much money or about the experience of black people being systematically oppressed and imprisoned. Like, do you you call us lazy? You know what I mean? What'd you say? Oh, I was even saying, like, and even Black houseless individuals, too. Like, the way that you would navigate the Chicago streets about it all with me versus with other Black individuals in Lincoln Park and just, like, the general Chicago area if they were houseless. Like, that think about it is not okay. Like, stop investing in these very deep-rooted systems of harm, you know, and I know that it's, you know, it's already hard being black, but to go ahead and then denigrate, demonize, or use even disparagement humor at the expense of other black folks who are literally just grocery shopping. And like, if they sat down on the produce aisle, I don't think that it would really mean anything to me. But that's, you know, again, I'm not here to unpack memes. I'm here to talk black folks and what we can do with our collective liberation, right? But Again, to set that boundary and to say that made me uncomfortable, and I know that you didn't make the original post and the means of, like, sharing it, commenting on it, inviting me to laugh at it with you. Pull up a chair and kiki girl, you know, it is alienating. Let, let it be known that it is alienating, and I hope that my communicating that will make things more clear as to how I saw it. No, that, that was what happened to me. In establishing a boundary, we are, you know, setting the foundation of a value. And the value is that I value black women. I value black women of all shapes and sizes. And I don't think we should poke fun at their humanity when they're just trying to live in the world and rest and navigate the world. Or had it been for Matthew, the bachelor guy, it is important to me that I'm with somebody that sees black people as human beings and gives reverence to the experience of black people in this in this country and thinks it's important that they change their individual behavior so that they're not supporting a larger system in the oppression of black people. And th- I think this goes also to folks that have the Republican in their family. You know what I mean? That are voting <laughs> to strip the, uh, the rights of people, yeah. of all people in Georgia. Like it literally, when we go into it, this is why it is so important when we think about, and that's not to mean that we're cutting off folks who, and perhaps sometimes it is that we're cutting off folks who aren't, you know, down for the cause, but I think it is a very much so, does it, how important to you is it that a person may or may not be voting for or supporting people who are regularly stripping folks who look like you and other marginalized people of their rights in a way that results in death and harm? Because ultimately, this is how real it goes. When we're talking even about people that we support, I'm always talking about people that just appropriate, especially and copy black womanhood without lifting up and supporting black women. But it's again, but when you just think about it, what does it, what message does it send out into the world? And perhaps if that's a reflection of your values, then unfortunately, go ahead. 
But when we support, when we put our money behind, when we put our legs behind people that take space away from us without breathing life back into our community and take away money, power, privilege, all of those things, we're feeding into a social construct, a contract that is establishing those collective values of what it means of how we see black people. And so that's ultimately also what this this episode is about, right? Because what we accept in terms of how people treat us in our individual lives will also, who are non-black and black as well, also translates into how people are experiencing the world collectively as well. And so for me, that's why it's important that I vet people like, what are your politics? When we have a relationship, what are your politics? How do you feel about black blackness? Because yes. I know that it goes beyond just me and you. Because if you let that shit slide, then you're going to let that shit slide for Joe, Jack, and then next thing I know, all of your whole district is going <laughs> voting red. Not we both back and next. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah. Honestly, Hey, for the black girls who grew up in the suburbs, okay, we are holding your hand right now as you hear the pain. Girl, <laughs> shit, I, I know you. I, but you know what? I vetted them. I grew up, I grew, I was like often the only black girl in the class, but I, I had some non black friends, but I made sure I'd be like, what you, mm-hmm. I was, I, you know, I set the standard of like, hey, I'm human. You better acknowledge my humanity. Are you down for black people? And they are. I know and that's, that's right. Cool and you it. would not go to no prom, no homecoming, no exactly. date, no dance but, with no boy who was trying. Anything whose family looked at anyone funny, you know, yeah. who had a little melanin to them or a little features, right. you know, it's not our responsibility to have to vet these folks. But unfortunately, because we don't live in a post-racial society, you know, we have to have a, the radar that we said earlier. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Introduce her. New and improved. Because of the recent well, maybe not recent. I am going to go ahead and say ongoing, right? Yes, ongoing. But newly repackaged and newly visible anti-Black legacy of this country. It's the racism that we grew up with to kind of repackage it again. And now that we grown and we all have been subject to ongoing violence, we've had to reestablish what's good in a lot of our interpersonal relationships because of the inter-institutional yes relationships that are going on over there you know and certainly have a reflection of what we have to do over here you know i think it's very uncomfortable personally for a lot of non-black and white folks or white allies but ultimately you know it's 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 uncomfortable for us to live through it every single day You, you might feel uncomfortable for us to call you out in the chat or in the group chat and say hey Megan, I'm not really interested in having a conversation. We are not worried about their uncomfortability. We are not worried about... Say that again. We are not worried about... We ain't worried about that. When my life, literally the survival of my life is dependent on your comfort, I could give two shits about your fucking comfort. Fully. Amen. I mean that fully in personal relationships, full on, absolutely in personal relationships. Are you serious? Your comfort over my over my liberty, over my existence. If you can't, if my if my if my existence threatens you in a personal relationship, I can do nothing for you. Your comfort is not mine to hold. And we skipped over this before, but these social contracts that we had within our community, and that's the thing. Again, centering Black people. This is for me. It's not to navigate relationships with non-black people. For me, the nugget to get out of this conversation is our blackness 
is worthy and valuable enough to be protected because that's really the issue. The issue is that we value our personal relationships more than our collective blackness and our existence. So we let shit slide that ultimately is destroying our community. And that's the uncomfortable part. That's the deeper part that we need to unpack, that we need to work, that we need to acknowledge. How can we get to a place of valuing ourselves so much? The realignment. The realignment it's of true. this is my humanity that I can't I can't accept that because my blackness is too it's unapologetically. It's unapologetic. And this is why and we talk about these social contracts contracts and how important they are to our community. These social contracts literally helped in captured people, kidnapped Africans, escape from slavery, escape from servitude was these contracts. That's why Harry Tubman was like, look, you coming with me, I'm going to shoot you. Because this is some real life life death shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's you know what, what it was. Yes. And once again, the black woman took the center stage as the <laughs> revolutionary because that is Yo. what the people came for. And it's absolutely true because it's written in our history. It's written in what we need to do. We need to recenter, recenter what we have going on and decenter what's on over there outside of the club. And managing it's everyone's emotions. Weird. And managing everyone's emotions. And managing everyone's emotions, perceptions, <laughs> actions, actions. It doesn't matter. There, there will be ways to demonize your blackness. So I think ultimately it's to live unapologetically black. There will be people who will come for you, whether or not we're proper. You talk really proper. And the, they may you know, shame your natural the hair. They're going to shame your, uh, they're going to shame oh aspects of your blackness that they're going to try to steal the next day. And that's what I mean. <laughs> Do not have relationships with people. There are so many people that talk to me crazy about my natural hair through the year, both black and non-black. Oh my God, that the now, locks. Yeah, I, I know you have, have locks too, girl. girl. and now that I have locks. Currently. I'm saying even before I had locks when I was just wearing natural hair and it wasn't cool. Oh, yeah. I, looking back, I would not be in relationship with a lot of those people because on a basic level, you're not acknowledging my humanity when you say things like that. And perhaps it's not immediately like you cut those people off, but it is to your point, you had a conversation with your friend and you're like, look, I'm inviting you to correct it. I'm inviting you to establish a new social contract between the two of us. And if it don't work, it don't work because that's how important collective my individual and the liberation of my people is. And like, that's how we should be operating because honestly, what else are we living for? You know, <laughs> but that's a whole other other episode. No, we need the in community with folks who will bring us closer to liberation. Yes, that's, that's where we need to invest our energy. Because again, what are we doing? The planet is slowly dying, anyways. Like, take care of your people. Love, We're love terrible. who loves you. Oh, we no. are terrible. I am terrible. But love who loves you. No, We're- it's okay. That's why I'm so happy I'm here because I'm just, uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm thinking I want to circle back to the decentering of other folks' feelings. Yes. It's our lived experiences that come first. That is truly all I wanted. But sometimes, though, pushing back really quickly, because if I say, hey, I'm a light-skinned girl and I was teased by black girls, and if I'm centered, darker-skinned girls, if I center my experience, then I don't, I'm not able to acknowledge the larger system of colorism. So sometimes... I feel like centering your individual experience above the collective and what is documented can be more harmful and like helping to create just, you know, harmful narratives that erase and dismiss marginalized communities in particular, because people are already not wanting to. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I 
agree as far as the people kind of taking it and running with it and centering their space of like the black girl bullied me as a life skin girl because I had the good hair and the good nose. Right, that happens all yo, I've heard that so many more times. Right. I've heard that argument more than I have heard people being acknowledging that like that actually saw exists. Yeah. Oh my god. Isn't it tiring? No, Nia, I understand what you're saying, girl. No, and I 100% agree with that sentiment. I think our way to combat that, I mean, I have many solutions, but I think probably then it's on us as Black people to realize, like, how that whole conversation is centered in anti-Blackness. You know what I mean? Like, to take darker-skinned girls and then to make them the antagonist, the bully, the villain in the story is to really, I mean... To acknowledge, right, that there are certain systems that make, you know, darker skinned girls, they are, you know, systemically at the bottom. And it's not really fair, I think, for, you know, people to co-opt or just speak over darker skinned girls. But there's a certain, there are certain hierarchies that that exist that are rooted in anti-blackness. And not everyone is a bully. At the end of the day... (laughs) There are certain desirability politics that exist within our community that some of us benefit from and some of us don't benefit from. In fact, are targeted for. I think that when conversations are pretty privileged, you know, or like the the dark skin bullies, it's very convoluted because ultimately we're not centering ourselves. We're centering the gaze of someone else who has set a different standard that is an extraneous circumstance that is hurting us as a collective colorism that's the bigger problem it's not this i'm getting so frustrated because it's happened to me so i'm just like yo but as far as looking at us now as an intra-community problem now of looking at colorism i think that is a way to gear this conversation in a better direction. Thank you for listening to the Inky Comet. If you are enjoying the podcast, subscribe and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Inky Comet to continue the conversation. Also, be sure to check out the Inky Comet soundtrack on Spotify. Until next time, be encouraged.